Man, thanks. Uh, give it up for Riley. They really sacrificed a lot this weekend to take the students. Thank you, man. Appreciate you guys. Uh, you know, as we're, while we're clapping, we got to celebrate a couple of really special people last weekend that took that huge step and accepted Christ as their Savior and were baptized into, into Christ. First, I want to give it up for Jeremy Lindsay uh, last weekend. Awesome stuff. Excited. Excited for him. Uh, and, and, uh, and that was first service, and then second service we celebrate with April Sieb, who also took that step. We got a picture of April as well, so give it up for her. <laughs> want to also thank a few special people. There were some volunteers and folks that were here yesterday. Uh, we've been talking about this for a few weeks. We uh, launched a brand new deaf ministry. We're partnering with a, another local church, Northeast Christian Church, and uh, had about 50 individuals that were here yesterday from our community that are, are deaf or hearing impaired and uh, so thank you to those who help serve food help clean up help set things up uh, i want to give a special shout out to jody lambert man he was here like all day to help with that cecil comstock who came in and pulled in the clutch last second we really appreciate you all you guys thank you so much and just so excited to see what god's going to do in that ministry so if you would just let's just give it up for the lord for what's going on with that i'm excited Now, I, uh, I know it's been mentioned a few times already, but uh, man, with the, with the storms that have come through, and so many of you, I know a lot of you, probably half at least in this room, are still without power. Uh, thankful for the, the linemen that are out working, and I hope that you guys get your power on really soon. But in the meantime, I wanted to let you know that if you, if you do have a need, I know a lot of people have trees down and uh, you know, problems at home, number one, don't be shy about reaching out to your life group. That's why we do life in community with each other. So if you've got something going on at home and you need some hands, some help, don't be shy about, uh, about texting, calling, you know, reaching out to people in your small group. If, if you're not in a small group or maybe, you know, especially those of you who are, are you know, our friends that are uh, senior adults or widows, certainly, if you've got some stuff going on at home uh, that, that we can help with, please reach out to the church uh, we've got volunteers, deacons that would love to, to be able to help. I mean, I'm, I'm a knucklehead, but I got a chainsaw. So, you know, if we can help, we'd be more than happy to. Also, we have showers here at the church. So I know some of you, if you've got electric water heaters, it's kind of a, kind of right now is difficult. So if you'd like to use the showers, we'd be more than happy to, to accommodate you if that would be a help. Uh, but uh, anyway, we just want to want to be the church for each other. So if there's anything that we can do for each other, let's, let's all... Uh, uh, we all want to do that. Now, I also want to mention that coming up in just a few weeks, hard to believe, but Easter, right around the corner, is uh, coming up, and we're going to have a great Easter service, but on Good Friday, uh, we're going to have a special combined service with our Celebrate Recovery Ministry. If you were here the Friday before Thanksgiving, we had, we called it Sunday on Friday, we're going to be doing that again on Good Friday, going to be a powerful service, and just want to put that kind of on your radar. We'd love for you to make plans to be here for that, and it's just going to be going to be awesome. But we are looking at this great sermon of Jesus, known as the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And last week we finished up what's known as the Beatitudes. We spent a couple of weeks looking at that, at that passage, and I wish we could have spent some more time there. Uh, there's so much in those verses, but my favorite, one of my, well, a lot of it was so good, but one of my favorites uh, of the Beatitudes was where Jesus said, blessed are the, the peacemakers, 
And, and that's what I wanted to challenge each of us with, that we are called to be people who bring peace with us. And I think it's interesting, sometimes places we go in Scripture that, that are encouraging to us in the midst of challenges that we're facing, just like this past weekend, you know, when everything feels chaotic, we're a people who bring peace with us, and that's a mark of a maturing believer is that you have the ability to be a healing and peaceful presence. You're like the, the calm on the troubled sea. But today we're going to move on in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at just four little verses today, but they're just loaded with, uh, with power. And this is Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16, if you're going to follow along with me uh, in your Bible or on your device. But I can sum up these verses in really just a few words. And, and if you're a follower, then this is what it is. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a divine influencer. You are a difference maker right where you are. That's how I would sum up what we're getting ready to, to look at. We're, you're set apart to be a difference maker. Now, this is part of the uniqueness of the Sermon on the Mount and about our, our nature as disciples of Jesus. Because there is a sense in which you and I are no different than the rest of the world. Like we're humans, you know, and, and Scripture is clear that we are not saved by works. We're not saved because we've been really, really good or that we're better than anybody else. But we're saved by grace, which is not something that we deserve, not something that we earn, but it's a gift of God given to us. And so there's this sense that, okay, we're, we're no different. Like the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And yet there's also a sense in which we are very different from the rest of the world. Because as followers of Christ, there's something that's, that's very unique about us. Jesus has said, hey, Jesus has said, I am different from the rest of the world, and I am in you. And because I'm in you, that means that there's something about you that's very different from the rest of the world. We, we, don't, we recognize that we're not better than. We, we share the gospel as those who are poor in spirit. We understand well, there's nothing in our hands, right? We just talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We're kind of like the broken and hurting person that helps another broken and hurting person find healing. But there is something different because Jesus is in us. And we need to understand that distinction as we get ready to read what Jesus preached. Because he makes this really huge statement about how we're different from the world because there's something different in us because of our connection and our union with Christ. So Matthew 5, beginning in verse 13, here's what he says. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket, but instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus makes 
two huge statements in those verses. And they are declarations. He says, you are salt of the earth. You are light of the world. He didn't say, you should be salt and light. He says, you are. He's saying something about our identity before he talks about our behavior. Now, he's going to get to that. But he's not saying that this is something that you become or this is something you should work towards. He said, this is who you are. This is your identity because of your connection to Christ, because he is in us, because the Holy Spirit lives in us. This is what's true about you. And so I think about, I think about salt, and, uh, and it's kind of weird when you think about it. He says, okay, you're salt of the earth. I, I think, okay, why did he make that analogy? Well, uh, for people who were hearing this for the first time when Jesus is preaching this message, they, they would have they understood this. Um, probably differently than it may hit some of us today. Salt w- was a very valuable commodity. As a matter, matter of fact, it was the second most valuable commodity of their day. People were, it was, it was common for people to actually be paid in salt, which is where we get the expression, he's not worth his salt. That's where that comes from, because it, people would often, would often get their paycheck in salt. And it was important for a number of reasons. It was, it was used to, to preserve food. A lot of us, that, that's, that speaks to us today without power, but uh, salt was a, was a preservative. And I, I can see the connection for us that we're called to be a people who help preserve others. And we're helping people to find salvation through Christ and, and, uh, and, and live eternal in, in heaven. Salt was also a purifier. And I can make that connection too. Okay, we kind of, we're kind of people who are like purifiers in the world. Um, it was, uh, of course, the main thing that comes to mind is that salt is an enhancer. It enhances flavor. Nine times out of ten when you're, when you're cooking and you're, try, you're tasting stuff, and you're like, something's missing. What, what does this need? It just needs some salt. It needs a little bit of flavor. And in, in that case, that's part of what the people of God do, too. Also, hopefully, we are, hopefully, we are people who add value to, not draw away from. I, I say that everybody is either a plus or a minus. You either add value to others or you are, you know, kind of a person that draws, draws away from. And you can always tell who those people are, by the way, if you're curious. You can always tell who, who's a plus and who's a minus when they enter a room where other people are. Listen to the comments. If people say, oh, look, it's so-and-so, that's a person that adds value. But if you walk into a room and people kind of turn away and go, oh, gosh, look who it is. I need to get going. Time for me to get home. That's probably somebody that, that uh, draws, draws a little bit away. We want to be a people who add value to others. But, but another thing I, I think about is how, how salt is vital to health. It replenishes people. Uh, your body it needs salt to survive. Back in 1965, the assistant football coach at the University of Florida met with some scientists to try to figure out why was it that so many of their football players were affected negatively by the heat. You know, these guys are out practicing all day and, and sweating and, and just, it just seems like their bodies are just shutting down and just can't, can't keep up. And so they, they, they went to these, you know, these smart minds and, hey, what can we do about this? And so they came up with a solution, a drink that contains salt. In it. You wouldn't think of it that way, but it contains salt that could be quickly absorbed to rehydrate their players. Of course, we know it today, obviously, as Gatorade. 
Uh, it's named after the University of Florida Gators. But we, we need salt. And there is this sense in which God is calling each one of us to, to help one another. To replenish each other. Scripture says iron sharpens iron. You know, Colossians 1.28, I love this scripture. It says, this is what we do. We, procl- we proclaim Christ, admonishing every person and teaching every person with all wisdom so that we may present every person complete in Christ. That's our goal, that we're helping one another to be complete. That's why what we do here is so important. Why do we gather on Sunday morning, first day of the week? Why do we do this? Why do we come in here? Why is this, is, this, uh, is it just out of tradition or habit? I, I would argue this is the most important hour of your week. We need this. This is why small groups are so important. That's why it's important that we pray for each other, that we carry each other, other's burdens, that we're confessing our, you know, our, our in, inadequacies to each other, that we're, we're holding each other up. I think about like, you know, when all these, all these times throughout Scripture when you see people that were supporting, holding one another up, it's so vital that we hold each other accountable, not because it just adds one more thing to the schedule, but we need each other. I've always felt that there, there's this sense in which, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to be like blasphemous or anything, I, I don't know if it, maybe this is encouraging to you or not, but I've always felt this sense in which we, we're trying to help each other get into heaven. Like the, I, I feel like that in my marriage too, like Megan and I, we're, we're, what do we do? We're, we love each other and we're, we're just trying to help each other to make it to heaven. And I feel like that, I don't know if that'll speak to you or not, but in the church, I feel like that's, what, that's part, of what we, part of what we do. And I, I, I know that a lot of people say, you know, I don't know if I actually need to go to church to worship. I, I, maybe I could do that from home. Maybe I could, you know, not have time for that and it's just not something I need. And I, I have felt that. I, I, I don't want you to think that I'm standing up here on high and like, oh, you... you What's wrong with that? You know, you, you don't need to have that attitude. I have felt that. I have felt like, boy, I really wish I could not go to church. But I think that's why God made me a preacher. Because he knows that I need to be in church all the time. Because for me, it's not just Sunday morning, folks. I'm here all the time. And I think God knew that because I, if you, you may or may not know this, but I am really a knucklehead at heart. If it weren't for the church, I'd be in a lot of trouble, I think. I could find it. I could figure out a way. And I know and I've realized that I need the church just as much as the church needs me. And you need the church just as much as the church needs you. Because our goal is to present every person complete in Christ. We want to be real people rooted in Jesus. And, and the Lord makes this kind of, kind of absurd statement. It's, It's interesting. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? And I imagine that every person who's listening to that, they're hearing this, they kind of would have chuckled. Well, of course not. Salt doesn't doesn't become not salty. You know, that's that's weird. That doesn't happen. Who ever heard of salt that lost its flavor? Just not something that that happens. And Jesus says, so yeah, what would, we, what would we do with something like that if we had this substance? What would happen to it? Because see, the compound for salt, it, it doesn't go unsalty. But what would happen, what was common that day, as I mentioned earlier, it was common for them to be paid in salt. 
And so people being people, you can imagine what started happening at some point. Well, how can we, how can we stretch this out a little bit? What, what can we do? They started cutting the salt with other things to make it go a little further. If I could take this amount of salt and I, if I could just add a little sand or whatever to it and double it, well, now, guess what? It's like, it's like I can print my own money all of a sudden. So that was something that was common to dilute it, dilute the salt, cut it with other, with other things. They said, so what would happen if you had that? If you had salt that wasn't salty anymore? Well, he goes on and says, well, it would be thrown out. You would you'd throw it in the street and walk on it. You know, it would be trampled underfoot as worthless. So maybe you get the connection there. Okay, if I'm living for Christ and the world wants to infiltrate and, and dilute the purity of my faith, what good would it be? I have, this, I have this desire, and I don't think that this desire is all that bad. I'm, I'm going to use myself as, as an example, okay? But I want, I want people to like me. I don't want people to not like me. Uh, I, just, I just don't like hearing that, oh, did you hear that so-and-so, man, they hate your stinking guts. I'm like, why? I don't like that. I don't, I don't want to be that guy. You know, I don't want anyone to dislike me, even though I, I know I don't have total control over that. Some people just don't like you no matter what. And I've got plenty of those people in my life. There are plenty of people that they just can't stand the sight of me. But I, still, I would prefer that people like me. If you're a person who you want people to not like you, there's something wrong there. Something's, something's off, and some people do that because they want to be able to control rejection. Uh, it makes them feel like they have some control in their life. So they're cruel, and they're short with people, and they walk around with a chip on their shoulder. You've seen these people. They walk around with a chip on their shoulder all the time, and they're just daring somebody to knock it off. They're just miserable and unhappy and all that. What is that? Why do people? It's a defense mechanism of the heart. I'm trying to control rejection. And it's, it's kind of weird and twisted, but, but if you're afraid of rejection, you just try to control it. And if that's you, if, if you're a person that feels like, oh man, he just described me, please get some help. Because there's no way to live. It's not, not a good way to live. But by and large, I do think that most of us want to be liked. But the problem is that when God saved me, he put me at odds with the world. And now I'm like a foreigner, like I'm, I'm like a stranger in this planet, on this planet that I live. And my temptation, where my heart wants to go, is I want to try and make peace with the world that I live in. Because I don't, I don't want to be an agitator. I want, I want to get along with everybody. And what Jesus is telling us here, when he says this, you're salt. You're like salt of the earth. And if it loses its flavor, what good is it? What, he, what he's saying is... When you step away from the message of the gospel of Christ, the, the, the good news of Jesus, which is that, hey, someone came for you. His name is Jesus Christ. And you have the opportunity to confess your sinfulness. You can repent. You can accept him as your Lord and Savior. He's going to, he's going to put you into a new life, a new way of living. When you, when you understand that stuff, you, we put our trust in him. When you shy away from that, 
when you shy away from the gospel and you try to remove the offense of the gospel, like, let's, let's give Jesus a makeover a little bit. Let's change some of the things that he said. Or I don't really like what the Bible says about that, so I'm going to kind of ignore that part or I'll change it or try to redefine it. What happens when you do that is your purpose as a divine influencer and a difference maker ceases to exist. And, and there'll be no respect for you whatsoever. You're not really respected by the world and, and you're not making a difference for Christ. You'll be trampled underfoot as worthless. And there are pockets of, of that. I'm not going to make any, I'm not going to name any specifics, but there are pockets of that in churches and in denominations all over. And historically speaking, when mainline denominations have said that we know the Bible says this, but we're not going to walk in this anymore. We're going we're to we're we're teach this. You know, we don't like this. We're, we think that that's too much of a stumbling block for people. It's too hard. So we're going to water it down and we're going we're to go over this direction. What happens when they do that, we've lost our ability to be divine influencers and difference makers because there's nothing to be redeemed from. You know, the message of the gospel is it's good news. The good news that's packaged is, hey, listen, it starts with bad news first. The bad news is you're hopelessly lost. And there is nothing that you can do to save yourself. You've got to be saved from your sin. So the good news is there's a solution to that. Jesus Christ. And he calls you to, to accept him and trust him as Savior. But if, if we kind of ignore that and say, well, yeah, you're not so bad. You're, you're fine. There's nothing to be redeemed from. Where, where does this... Where does this happen? Where are we called to be salt in the world? This is going to sound a lot like last weekend because Jesus is in the Sermon on the Mount. He's driving home the same point over and over and over again. And this is, this is it. This is what I hope you really remember today is be faithful where you are. Where are you right now? The places, the people, the circumstances in your life, where you are. You were born on purpose at this moment for this time. Walk in integrity where you are. You don't necessarily have to go seeking this out. And I, I talked about this the last couple of weeks too. These things that Jesus is, is teaching us, we don't have to try to muster this stuff up. We don't, I'm not asking you to go out and really work hard and you know, have a checklist and make sure I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. What, what this is about is just... Be faithful in the, in the moments and the places with the people that God has placed you with. Let's look a little deeper at this next part. This is great stuff. Verse 14, he says, You are light of the world, like a city on a hilltop. It cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. You wouldn't do that. No one would do that. But instead, you, you, a lamp, it's placed on a stand where it gives light. That's its purpose, right? It lights up everything, everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So now, not only are we difference makers, but according to this passage, we're, we're light, we are the light of the world. And we've got to do a little work here. We've got to do a little uh, context and a little, little biblical study here because we know... That the light of the world is Jesus. Right? We understand that. Your good deeds, the good that you do, that's not the light of the world. Uh, you're not the light of the world. You and I, we're not going to save anyone. 
You know, there is a Savior, there is a Lord and a Savior, and it happens to not be us. Thank God, it's not me, it's not you, you know. But, but as, as adopted sons and daughters, we are a reflector of the perfect light. We're kind of like mirrors. You and I, we reflect the light of Jesus Christ. And according to this text, as we're pursuing Him, as we're walking with Him, as we're seeking holiness, when we are in the places that He's put us, and we are, we are acting as a preservative in our culture, we're, we're reflecting the goodness and the grace of God by living in a way that, that shows that there's something greater than us in the universe. Our lives are pointing to Jesus. Like that's, that, if, if my life does nothing but that, if all I do is just point people to Jesus, then, then that's, I, I couldn't live a, a better life than that. So with our, our free time, with our money, with our gifts and our abilities, with our lives, we live in such a way that says there's something greater than me. There's someone more important than me. I love the quote. It says, share the gospel at all times. Preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. Let your life, let your life shine. We're reflecting Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now, the person that lives that way, that their life is just pointing other people to Christ. Don't look at me, look at him. Don't, don't, look, don't look at me, look at what Jesus has done. Jesus has changed my life. You talk about a powerhouse. And, and that's the thing I, I, I would drive home to is, what, is it, what does a light do? It's, Jesus says we're, we're like a light, we're like, a, we're like a, a city on a hill that's all lit up. Not in an obnoxious way. You don't light a, a lamp and it says, hey, look at me, look at me, everybody look at me, I look right here. Like it, that's a, but it, it shines because that's what it does. It's not trying to be in your face, you know, too much salt can be off-putting. Too much light can just, you know, blind you. But what does it do? It, it just naturally shines. You can't hide it. You let people see your good deeds, you just keep pointing people to Jesus. I'm not trying to stand out. I'm not trying to appear to be better than anyone else. I'm not trying to, to speak, you know, or to be judgmental towards you. I'm just going to keep pursuing Christ every day. I'm just going to be faithful where I am with the people that I'm with in the circumstances in which I find myself. Now, just a little, another quick word on that. For a long time, I looked at these verses and I thought, okay, the, the goal is to be a good, moral person. He says, let people see your good deeds, right? So that's what I have to do is I just have to do the right things and make sure that, that I'm doing all the stuff that's right and I'm not doing the things that are wrong and hopefully people will see that and, and that, that was the goal. There's a difference between moralism and morality. Now let me tease that out a little bit. Moralism, what it is, moralism is any teaching that says in order for you to be loved by God and in order for you to be accepted by God, here are the behaviors that you have to conform to. If God's going to love you, if God's going to be pleased with you, Here's the list. Do these things. Behave this way. Wear your hair like this. Dress like this. Say things like this. Do things like this. And then God will bless you this way. That's, that's moralism. God hates that. That's nonsense. 
If you have a background where your understanding of Christianity is that you have to behave a specific way in order to be loved and accepted, maybe that's caused you some hostility towards God because you missed the mark and you feel like, well, God doesn't love me anymore. Or God's angry at me. God's disappointed with me. You haven't heard the good news. You haven't heard the good news then. We're not moralists, but we do believe in morality. And here's what I mean by morality. Morality is being transformed by the Spirit's power to understand God's intention for how I live. It's not me trying to force it. It's not me trying to figure all of this out. It's about what is the Holy Spirit doing in me? How is He changing me? Because he, the more that I walk with Christ... He is changing who I am. Christianity has a, a moral component that is, that is linked to God's design. We read all about it through the Bible. Passages like Psalm 1611 says that God, you will, you will show me the way of life. Meaning God's going to show me how I need to live. What I need to do. And you will grant me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. There is a way that God has called us to live. There, there are things that he has called us to do, and there are things that he intends us to avoid. And he says, and, and why? Well, why? Because that's the best life. Because that's good. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's for his glory, and it's for our good. There are things that he calls sin that we're called not to be a part of, not because God's trying to be a buzzkill, but because it's going to hurt us. It's going to hurt people around us. And he says, I want you to live a blessed, fulfilled life. This is your life. So, but, but following Jesus, this is, this is where it gets challenging. Because following Jesus is not about trying to maintain a certain behavior. And for those, that, especially those that are new to the faith, that I'm, I'm just learning all of this stuff. It gets really hard because there is a mystical, very hard to comprehend side to this. When we are united with Christ and the Holy Spirit of God is living in me, that's what, that's what God's Word says, that he, the Spirit of God is in me. How do you quantify that? How, how can I say for certain that, okay, yes, this is, this is happening, this is working. It's very hard to do. And so sometimes what we do, because we... we because it's hard to understand that, we cover it up with behavior. I'll just do the things that I think I'm supposed to do. And if I do the things I'm supposed to do, if I don't, you know, if I don't smoke, drink, or chew, or run with girls who do, you know, if I don't do those things, then that means God's pleased with me, right? And the goalposts keep moving on that. Because it's so hard to know, okay, have I been, have I been united with Christ so here's my, my challenge. If we will just continue to keep focusing on being faithful where we are, understand who Jesus says you are. You are salt. You are light. You don't have to create that. You, you don't have to muster it up. You reflect the goodness of God everywhere you are. Can we just trust that that's enough? Can I just trust that God has a purpose for me every day? That he put me 
in the place where I am for such a time as this? Is that enough for me? Can I have that level of faith to know that I'm light? And today he's called me to just reflect his goodness. And I don't have to go out and try to find it. God's going to use me where I am. Just focus on being faithful where you are. You are already salt. You are already light. So when we know that, then the question is, how, how are things with you and Jesus right now? Because you know this isn't about your behavior, right? It's not about being a good boy or a good girl. It's about your relationship with Jesus Christ. These things that we're talking about, okay, being united with Christ, he's using me, and it's, it's not about a checklist. Then it comes down to, am I walking with God? Am I walking with am I, Am I keeping in step with the Holy Spirit? How does that look when you walk out of these doors today? How does walking with Jesus look? Because some of you, I know you're feeling a little banged up, a little run over and walked on. I'm not trying to put weight on you. I'm trying to take weight off of you today. And that's why you have an opportunity today and every week. If you need somebody to talk to about that, say, man, I just, I'm not doing so well. I need some prayer. That's why we are the church. That's what we do. We work towards helping to show everyone complete in Christ. We have... uh, staff and volunteers that'll be in the next steps area as you leave and if you need somebody to confide in if you need somebody to talk to uh, that's why that's why they're there but there's a lot of power in confessing our need for christ with one another so let's confess let's repent let's take seriously the call of god to walk in holiness let me pray lord thank you for this passage that is that speaks to our lives it just speaks directly to our to where we are today and I pray that you would continue to to help us to to trust that you are enough that you are all that we need help us to trust in your process and what you're doing in us and around us Lord, we are, we are your servants. We are here to, to live and to move as you direct us. So help us to trust that your hand is upon us and that you will guide us as we need to be guided. Lord, help us be faithful where we are. I know that you've said we're salt, we're light, right here, right now, in this corner of the world. Help us to remember that's not something we've got to create it's, who, it's, a, it's a reality of who we are. So help us to be faithful. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I'll see you next week.